Well, God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord, Christian Fellowship. And I'm coming to you on Friday, the 20th of March, 2020, with the first of our two weekly installments of the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. We're going to continue our study in 1 John. Uh, we've done chapters 1 and 2. If you want to hear those, then go back to my previous uh, lesson on my Facebook page, or you can look, listen to them through Anchor, Anchor Podcasting on any podcasting platform, including Spotify, etc. I did St. John, not St. John, but 1 John 1. That was a brief one because I think it only had 12 verses. But the second chapter like I'm doing with the third chapter, the second chapter I had to break into several segments uh, because I think it had 29 verses or something like that. And so now we've done First uh, John chapter two, now we're gonna do First John chapter three. First John, not St. John, First John, written by the same man, the apostle whom Jesus loved, hallelujah. St. John wrote, Saint, uh, the, the Apostle John wrote St. John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. If you don't read the revelation of Jesus Christ, you are really just denying yourself a treat. You've got to read the book of Revelation. You've got to read the Apocalypse. You've got it. Blessed is he who reads those that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things that are written therein for the time is at hand. Hallelujah. You gotta read Revelation. Don't let the devil fool you in the in the in the not reading the Revelation, the apocalypse. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It, it takes the whole Bible. Really, it takes the whole Bible. They're about over there. I've heard his estimates as high as five hundred, but some estimates are like three hundred. There are over three hundred references just from the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. So to understand Revelation, you, you, you kind of need some, some Old Testament uh, foundation. But we got to read the Revelation. We, because we win, the church, we win, we win, we win. Jesus. That's why it's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. I know the old King James Bibles call it the Revelation of St. John the Divine. Well, it's the Revelation that was given to him. But it's really the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a book of prophecy. It's the capstone of all biblical prophecy. And uh, the Bible even says in Revelation 19 and 10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Glory to the Lamb of God. You gotta, if you've never read Revelation, I just want to know, and you're a believer in Jesus. And I can see if you're not a believer. If you're, I can see if you're not a believer in Jesus. But if you're a believer in Jesus and you've never read the book of Revelation, I, duh, I just don't get it. Read the book of Revelation. No, you won't understand all of it. Yes, there'll be some symbolism in there that'll sound a little crazy and stuff, you know. You gotta read the Revelation. Because if you're a believer in Jesus, you're in there. And you're victorious through Jesus Christ. And that's that's the main reason I believe that Satan has bamboozled, hoodwinked, led him up so, so many people into not reading it. Now again, if you're not a believer then I can see you not reading it. But if you're a believer in Christ and you've never read Revelation and you've been saved more than 30 minutes, shame on you. Glory to God. Go ahead and read Revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've taught a little bit out of it and maybe one day I'll get a chance to. But I, I, love, the, I love the book of Revelation. Ooh. 
I love me. I love, not love. I love me. <laughs> All right. So we're continuing to pray for the nation. Uh, we're praying in the midst of this coronavirus situation. And I want to remind you something that's in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. There is nothing outside of the scope of his authority and power. Because he said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. He took that from Isaiah 44 and 6 where the Lord says, I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I don't care if it's coronavirus Ebola, SMERS, Legionnaire's disease, HIV, AIDS. There's nothing outside the scope of God's power and authority. Nothing. Because if there's one thing that's outside of the scope of his power and authority and knowledge, then he wouldn't be the Almighty. Jesus said, I'm the Almighty. He said that in Revelation. Again, Revelation 1 8. I'm the Almighty. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I was dead. I'm he who lives. I was dead. I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. That's in the Revelation. So we're going to do uh, 1 John tonight, chapter 3. We're going to cover the first half of 1 John 3, chapter uh, uh, verses 1 through 12. We're not going to do the whole chapter tonight. We're trying to slice it up in, in, uh, in segments. And so we're going to do 1 through 12 tonight. Let us pray. Father, in the name of your holy son, Jesus, we thank you just for the privilege of mentioning your name. In the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, kingdom, and dominion, both now and forever. We ask, Lord, that you continue to open the eyes of our understanding, that we may hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches, and that we may not just be hearers of your word, but doers, Lord. Help us, Lord God. We pray concerning this virus situation. It's in your hands, Lord. We come to you, Lord. We come to you because you are the only true and living God. You and you alone, Lord. All of the gods are idols. They cannot help us. They are the works of men's wicked minds and imaginations. They are satanic inventions, Lord. But you and you only. Hallelujah. 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 You are the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the true and living God. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Behold, the Lord our God is one God. Hallelujah. We pray that as a result of this preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching all over the world, that gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit would be the result according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Bless your people tonight, Lord, with fresh manna from heaven. Bless me, Lord, to speak uh, the truth, Lord, of the gospel. Help me to be accurate, Lord. Help me to not... Be bothered with my own opinions, but with gospel truth. By Jesus Christ, we pray and we ask that you forgive us for our sins and wash us, Lord, in the blood of thy holy Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name forever. He is Lord. Amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, read 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'll read from the New King James Version. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we children of God, 
and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him, meaning Jesus, as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he, meaning Jesus, is pure. Verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. You know that's got to be talking about Jesus. And in him there is no sin. That's, you know that's talking about the Lord. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Glory to God. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Look at that standard. That's a high standard. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. You hear John? He's, he's, he's giving biblical absolutes here. The Bible does contain absolutes. No matter what men may say, the Bible is a book of absolutes. Now, everything in the Bible is not absolute. There are some gray areas, especially in cultural areas, or things that cross dispensations where something might have been applicable to one dispensation of time that may not be applicable today, etc. You know, some things in the law as opposed to the Gospels, as opposed to the New Testament church. I get that. But the Bible is a book of plenty of absolutes. Notice what John says. He's, he's, he's giving some of these absolutes right here as he did in previous chapters. Let no one deceive you. Who, he who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he, the Lord, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. John is drawing a clear and unequivocal distinction between righteousness and unrighteousness. He's saying you cannot come and say that you belong to the fellowship of believers and you're living a life of sin. He says if you do that, John says you are lying. He who sins is of the devil. And here the devil is not a metaphor. It is a literal, the devil is a literal entity. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this part, Jesus said the same thing in John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, he told his critics. And the works of the devil you will do. He's a, he was a liar from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He's a liar and the, and the father of it. When he speaks, he speaks of his own. But he's a liar and the father of it. He's in, John is saying the same thing that, that Jesus said. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Everybody undergoes that birth. But that which is born of the Holy Spirit is spirit. And that's the birth that every individual who truly knows the Lord Jesus Christ has undergone. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, the seed of God, remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. What is John saying there? He's saying that there is no corruption in the word of God. 
you cannot sin as a result of the word of God. If you sin and as a if you sin as a Christian, it is because you have stepped outside of the authority of the word of God and you have chosen to sin on your own. But John says right here, if you walk in God's word, you will not sin. He says he says whoever has been born of God does not sin. Because the seed of God remains in that individual. I'm going to tell you about the Greek word for that seed of God in a few minutes, in a little while, before we close tonight, if I don't forget. It's a word that sounds very familiar to a word that we use. It's a biological term. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Well, then how do we explain the fact that as a Christian, you have sinned and I have sinned? Because we stepped outside of our new birth and chose to do something that was contrary to our new birth. Whoever is born of God, though, does not sin. Not if you're walking according to the seed of the word of God, because it is incorruptible. Remember, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he was the word made flesh, and he said, the devil has nothing in me. The word of God is incorruptible. Peter said, the word of God, you've been born again by the incorruptible word of God. You've been born again by the incorruptible word of God. What is corruptible is our natural man. What is corruptible is our natural birth. My natural birth in March of 1957, March 4th to be exact, that's full of corruption. Because <laughs> I was born of the seed of my father, who was born of the seed of his father, who was born of the seed of his father, who was born of the seed of his father going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all, for all have sinned. That's corrupted. So when I was born March 4th, 1957, I was born of corruptible seed. But when I was born of, of, the, of the Spirit of God on May the 20th, 1979, I was born of incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. And if you walk according to the incorruptible seed, you won't sin. It is only when we through self-will or deception, etc., willfulness, it is only when we get outside of the will of God, that's when we as believers sin. But John says, John, it's a very high standard. The Bible has very high standards. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains, what seed? The seed of the word of God, the incorruptible seed. Remember Isaiah and John the Baptist, and they, they all said, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You see, all flesh is as grass. The coronavirus is taking people out every day. Why? Because all flesh is as grass. But the seed, the word of God, is incorruptible. The coronavirus cannot defeat the word of God because the word of God is incorruptible. No virus can defeat the word of God. It would have done so already. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So when we sin as Christians, it's not because of the word of God. Word of God is incorruptible. Jesus is the Word of God, and he, He's incorruptible. He said, "He said Satan has nothing in me." Jesus was not born of the corrupted seed of man. 
He was born by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil. See, John says there's a dividing line here. John says, don't get it twisted. There are two types of people on earth. The children of God through Jesus Christ and the children of the devil. And before you got saved and before I got saved, we were children of the devil. Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 2. You has the Lord made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, where in time past you, you had your lifestyle according to the sins of the flesh, the corrupted mind. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he has quickened us with Christ. By grace you are saved. Paul said the same thing. In this, the children of God and the children, before Paul got saved, he was a child of the devil. Even though he had a lot of religious qualifications and trappings, outward trapping, he was a child of the devil because he wasn't born again. He was in the covenant of the Old Testament covenant, but that once that covenant was annulled, he had to be born again or face eternal consequences. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Again, John has absolutes here, and these are not his absolutes. These are absolutes that the Holy Spirit is impressing upon him to speak to his flock. Because John here is speaking as a pastor to his flock. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Love is the, is the imperative of the Christian. Love is the, is, the, uh, is the Christian imperative. We must love. If we don't love, we don't know, we don't know Christ. If we don't love each other, we don't know the Lord. John says, he who, are, who does not practice righteousness is not of God. John says, y'all can argue all y'all want to. John says, I got the Holy Spirit on my side. The Holy Spirit told me to tell you all, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Love is the Christian imperative. It's the love imperative. You can call it the love imperative if you want to. But you ha we have to love one another. We have to. And we would, we, if you've been born again, you don't just have to. You want to. I want to love people. I don't just love out of some ritualistic uh, requirement, some commandment from the top of the mountain. I love people because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost who has been given unto me. I want to love people. Now their definition of love might be not ever telling them what they might need to hear or not speaking the truth to power or speaking the truth in, of the gospel or speaking the truth in love. That might be their definition of love. But that's not the biblical definition of love. But I want to love people. I want to love people even though Many, many of them don't love me or many of them live a lifestyle that I know is, is detrimental to their well-being. But I, I want to love them because I want to I represent Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Then he's, he's going to compare. He's gonna, now he's going to say, not as Cain. Remember Cain, Genesis chapter 4, after Adam and Eve were evicted from Eden's paradise? Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered. Notice John says, 
murder is, is, is antithetical to the love imperative. Murder is antithetical to love. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, Abel. And why did he murder him? He murdered him because of envy. Envy is what uh, uh, caused uh, Cain to murder Abel. They both brought an offering to God. God accepted Abel's offering, firstlings of the flock, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And God even instructed Cain, if you, if you get your act together, then everything's going to be okay. And Cain didn't listen, and, and then he killed his brother. Not of the wicked, not of the, not of Cain, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. The murder and love are antithetical to each other. Murder, love, murder, love, murder, love. Jesus on the cross murdered because the people didn't love him. They didn't love God and they expressed their lack of love for God by murdering his dear son. And the Bible even tells us in two different places. I'll tell you what those two different places are. Matthew 27, 18, and Mark 15 and 10, that because of envy, the rulers delivered Jesus to be crucified, delivered him to Pontius Pilate because of envy. If we don't stop this man, everybody's going to follow him, and we're going to lose our little shallow position of power. The Romans are going to come and take away our little fiefdom that we got, our little scam we got going here. If we don't stop this man, this, this itinerant preacher, Lately from Nazareth. It says so in Matthew 27, 18, Mark 15, 10. It was envy. And, and I, it's something I want you to be careful about. Whether you are the one who is envious or whether you are the victim of being uh, of envious people. Be careful. That's a very powerful demonic spirit. Spirit of envy. Maybe we'll talk about that more fully one day. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. And his brothers, Abel, Abel's works were righteous. Go back and read Genesis chapter 4, the beginning of the chapter, and you'll see exactly what John is talking about there. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. Why did they murder Jesus? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So that's how that's as far as I'm going to go tonight as far as uh, John, 1 John 3 I just read 1 through 12 now let me read the outline to you here's the outline of 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 this is the outline that I put together alright Point number one, God by his grace has bestowed his love upon all true believers. This love gives us assurance that we are his children. John calls us beloved. And the root word of that word, if you look that up, the root word is the same Greek word where we get the word agape. He calls us beloved. We are, we, we, we are assured that we belong to God because of his love that he has bestowed upon us. Don't, don't doubt, you don't have to doubt your salvation. You've been saved by the blood of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John says we have this assurance. There's not one Christian who should doubt his or her salvation. You don't have to doubt it. Let me read it to you. Let me read what John said. He says, Beloved, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us 
Paul said in Romans, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. To the point where we can cry out, Abba, Abba, Father, Abba, Abba. It's a personal call. It's a personal relationship that we have with the Lord because he has bestowed his love upon us. All right. Let's see. The point number two, when we see Jesus at his appearing, hallelujah, glory to God. When we see Jesus at his appearing, we shall be transformed to be just like he is. Notice what John said. He says, now, beloved, that's where he uses that word, uh, that, that is the, in the Greek, in the, the root word is where we get that Greek word, agape, love. Where beloved would be a similar word. If you look at the root word of agape, and the root word of beloved, it's the same spelling. So beloved, love, loved, of love. In Greek, Greek is kind of like Spanish. They'll have the same root and then they'll add different endings depending on the situation. So he says, beloved. He says, beloved. Let's see, I lost my place. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Now, hallelujah. Now are we the children of God. Now, now are we the children of God. He says, we, we are the children of God because we've trusted in what Christ did at Calvary's cruel cross. He says, now are we the children of God? Not one day in the by and by. Now are we the children of God? I've been a child of the King since May 20th, 1979, when I trusted in Jesus for my eternal salvation. Now, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah. Now are we the children of God? He says, now we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed. You know, God reveals things in his fullness of time. And we have to respect that. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he, meaning Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. That was First Thessalonians chapter 4. The same apostle said something similar in First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start in First Corinthians 15, and suppose I start with verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all physically die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, hallelujah, at the last trump, hallelujah. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Jesus appearing in the air. The dead in Christ, Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, he said in Philippians that, that, that Jesus is able to change this, this, this mortal body into immortality. He said that in, at, the end of verse, at the end of Philippians chapter 3. Look, look at verses 20 and 21. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, Jesus said in John 14, If I go away, I will return again and, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I will that they whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Hallelujah. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible, this body, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. No more death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Hallelujah. The wages of sin. Boom. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the strength of sin is the law. The law came to show us how holy God is and how unholy we are. The law came to discipline us, to chastise us, to be a schoolmaster, to lead and guide us until the fullness of time when Jesus Christ would come and perfectly fulfill the law and the prophets. And now those of us who follow Jesus as his true disciples, we fulfill the law and the prophets when we follow Jesus. We don't have to go through the rituals of the Old Testament law and the prophets anymore. And I wish people would understand that. There's still people wanting to cling to the, to the law and the prophets when Jesus perfectly fulfilled them. Look at Romans 3 and 21. And now the righteousness of God without the law and the prophets is revealed by Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And if you follow Jesus faithfully, then you fulfill the law and the prophets through your relationship with him. But we've got people who still want to fulfill two or three of the 613 laws. But the Bible says if you don't do them all, you haven't done any of them. So those of you who want to be legalistic, you better go out and start finding some animals to start cutting up and some blood to pour into the basin. And, you know, you don't have a temple to take the sacrifice. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now listen to what John says next. He says, those of us who have the hope in Jesus and his appearing, John says that we should purify ourselves even as he is pure. Prophecy, one of the purposes of prophecy is not just to speculate about the future. Not just to speculate is the coronavirus mentioned in the book of Revelation, you know, in chapter 6 about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One of the main purposes of prophecy is, is, is to purify. And we might say, oh Lord, you're coming soon. Oh Lord, I, I see this prophetic word, you're coming soon. Let me, let me lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset me. Lord, forgive me for the sins that are in my life that I as a Christian have allowed to so easily beset me. And let me consecrate myself through fasting and prayer and obedience. Let me consecrate myself to God Almighty. So the purpose of prophecy, and I love biblical prophecy. I've, I've loved it. The first book I read after I got saved, besides the Bible, was The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. I, I love biblical prophecy. I, I don't understand why. Uh, more Christians don't. A lot of Christians don't don't read on biblical prophecy. Uh, I love biblical prophecy, and, and 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 but one of the main purposes of prophecy is to purify ourselves. The Bible says, John says right here, everybody who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself, even as he is pure. All right, let me get to the next point here. God is very serious about sin which is why he sent Jesus, his dear son, to die at Calvary's cruel cross. Those who insist, and let me say that again, God is very serious about sin. I know we're living in an age of grace, and, and people think because we're living in an age of grace that God is not serious about sin. Yes, he is. 
But because God doesn't smack people down right away, people think that sin is something that, you know, God has forgotten about or that God is some, you know, long man, is some man with a long white beard who's gone to sleep somewhere. No. God is very serious about sin. Do you think he would have sent his only begotten son to die a horrific death at Calvary's cruel cross, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was brutalized by the Romans after being uh, turned over by the Jews to the Romans? Do you think he would have allowed his son to suffer that and, and to not take sin seriously? God hates sin. He hates it to the point that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, hallelujah, should not perish but have everlasting life. Those who insist on living lives of sin as defined by the Bible, they don't know God. They don't know his son Jesus. John said, he who does not practice righteousness is not of God, but is of the devil. He who does not practice righteousness, meaning the righteousness that God accepts through Jesus Christ, his dear son, he who does not, or she who does not practice righteousness, John said, you don't know God. And John was an apostle. He was a first generational apostle. He wasn't just some bootleg preacher who got his license off the internet or out of a cornflake box. He was a holy apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of the New Testament church. The Bible says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. John is one of the foundational apostles of the New Testament church. We're not talking about some bootleg, jackleg preacher down the street somewhere. We're talking about a holy apostle, a holy sent one. The word apostle means sent one, a specially called and gifted missionary of God. And John said, if you don't, if John says, if you live a life of sin, and you don't repent for your sin, John says, you don't know God. You can tell as many people as you want to. You can start your own church and have your own denomination where y'all revel in sin. Don't ask, don't tell. God, John says, you're lying. You're living a lie and you're going to pay the ultimate price. John says, he who does not, does not practice righteousness is not of God. Neither he who does not love his brother. Point five, because my internet connection is going in and out for some reason. Point number five. Let me see if I can finish this. True believers in Jesus don't habitually sin. Rather, sin is the exception and not the rule. The Bible never makes excuse for sin. The Bible doesn't say, well, go ahead and sin every now and then. No, you're good. The Bible doesn't say that. But I'm letting you know in reality that the true believer does not habitually sin. That sin will be the exception. The Bible says if we have fervent love for one another, it will cover the multitude of sins. So the Bible, while not making excuse for sins, recognizes that sin uh, um, can trip up the believer. The Bible says weights and sins can easily beset us. But the Bible never, ever says, go ahead and sin. You're good. But the Bible does recognize that we are believers, but we are walking in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. And that the Bible also recognizes that as believers, there's a growing process. Grow in grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Contrary to popular opinion, there are children of God in Christ and children of the devil. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. 
God created all things. All things were made by him. Without him, not, not anything made. There was not anything made that was made. But covenantally speaking, the covenant, the New Testament, the, the, the new covenant, the New Testament, there are two types of people on the earth. Those who are children of God through, through faith in Jesus Christ and those who are not. Those who are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ the Bible says it. Paul says you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if any man has not the spirit of God, he's none of his. And a, a, an unbeliever doesn't have the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever, the one who does not believe in Jesus, does not have the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the Holy Spirit until I gave my life to Jesus. God is not giving the Holy Spirit to anybody because you're a good person or because you've got a, a certain religion and you're moral and follow a certain moral code. God's not giving you the Holy Spirit unless you trust in Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross and believe in his bodily resurrection, Romans 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter quoted that same scripture out of Joel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Either you're with the Lord or you're not. Either you're saved, meaning you've been washed in the blood of Jesus because you've trusted in what Christ did on the cross and the fact that God raised him from the dead, or you're not. There's an old saying, you're either pregnant or you're not. You're either pregnant or you're not. Okay? All right, let me get to the next point again. My internet is trying to go in and out here. All right? All right, Contrary to popular opinion, there are children of God in Christ and children of the devil. Distinguishing, distinguishing the two categories isn't difficult as one, if one is willing to honor God's word and use it as the only tool to discern divine truth. The only tool that we can use to discern divine truth is God's word. We can't use the Koran to discern the, the divine truth. I'm so tired of people comparing the Bible and the Quran, you can contrast them. You can't compare them. There's no comparison. The Bible is God's word. The Quran is not God's word. Okay? Point number seven. Love is the key distinguishing mark of all true believers in Jesus. As hard as John might sound, he says, if you don't love one another, you're not of God. It's, a, it's, a, it's the love imperative. In this, the children of God are, are in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works, Cain's works, were evil, and his brothers, Abel's, were righteous. And it was envy. A person who loves is not full of envy. A person who loves is not envious. I believe the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not envious. It may not use that exact word, but love is not envious. What sent Jesus to the cross? The Bible says right here, I got it written down, Matthew 27, 18, Mark 15, 10. Because of envy, not love, envy. Because of envy, the Jewish leaders turned Jesus over. We've got to get rid of this guy. All these people following him, this man is, 
healing the blind, performing miracles that not even Elijah and Elisha, you know, Elijah and Elisha, they were, they, they, they had a miracle work in ministry. You're talking about a miracle work in ministry, axe heads floating. And, yeah, after Elisha died, a, a, a man was buried and touched, touched Elisha's bones and the man came alive again. That's ministry. Perfect <laughs> to God. But nobody, and I repeat, N-O-B-O-D-Y, nobody opened the eyes of the blind. Until there are five miracles that Jesus did. They call the Messiah miracles that nobody else had done in Israel to a Jew until Jesus came along. The principal one was opening the eyes of the blind. Not even Elisha and Elijah. Not even Moses when he went before Pharaoh with the plagues and all that had opened the eyes of the blind. Not even Elisha. Not even Elijah had opened the eyes of the blind. Jesus said, if I had not come and done the works that no, none other man has done. You would not have, uh, you know, had this this uh, high bar of sin that you'd have to be responsible for. They're called the Messiah miracles. Jesus, uh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one who 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 is Lord and Savior. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Love is the key distinguishing mark of all true believers in Jesus. Where this love is lacking, so is true discipleship. I love doctrine. I love me some doctrine. I love, not love, I love me some doctrine. I love doctrine. It's the foundation of the church. A church that has no doctrine, a church that's soft on doctrine, a church that belittles doctrine is a weak church. But you must also have love. You must have practical application of doctrine, and the greatest practical application of that doctrine is love. It's, it's what I call the love imperative. You must have love. If I don't love you, I'm not a true disciple of Jesus. If you don't love me, you're not a true disciple of Jesus. You're posing. You're posing and I'm posing. It's the love imperative. All right, next point. The holy apostle John then used the lives of Cain in a negative sense and Abel in a positive sense as biblical examples of love toward God. Exemplified by Abel's sacrificial worship and murderous criminal intent exemplified by Cain's terrible attitude toward God and eventual murder of his brother Abel. That's my outline. Now let me add a few more points here. I want to, I want to talk about a couple of key Greek words here since the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, John said in that third chapter there. The Greek word is where we get the word energy. The Greek word is energma. It's where we get the word energy. Jesus was manifested to destroy the energy, the works of the devil. And if you know him and you're, and you're following Jesus in truth, the, the, the energy of the devil that he once had in your life and in my life, it's destroyed. Now, Jesus defeated the devil at Calvary, yet... People ask, well, then why is there still evil in the world, etc.? Because the fullness of time of, of Christ's kingdom being here on earth has not yet been manifested. I, I always use the analogy, you can have a football game and one team can be up 50 to nothing at halftime. The game still has to be played. The game still has to be played. So Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. But the game, if you will, if I can call it a game, the game still has to be played. And in God's fullness of time, if you read Revelation 
and, and, and other passages, but especially the Revelation, you'll see that Satan was Satan, the beast, the false prophet, Satan and his angels who rebelled against God, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever, as well as all people who reject Jesus. So Satan, Jesus did defeat Satan at Calvary. But Satan has not yet been banned to the eternal lake of fire, not yet. And so he is still active in the lives of people. But Jesus was manifested to destroy the energma, the Greek word where we get the word energy, the works, the English will say, of the devil. All right. If God's seed resides in us, we are commanded to not sin. And I told you I wanted to talk about this word. The Greek word for seed is sperma, where we get the word sperm, right? If God's sperm is in us, and if we obey that and walk according to that seed that's within us, we won't sin. It's when we, it's when we in willfulness, willfulness, or through being deceived by the devil, is when we walk outside of the principles of that seed. Again, the Greek word is sperma where we get the word sperm. God's sperma is within us, his word. We've been born of that sperma, that incorruptible seed. The Bible says all flesh is as grass, but the word of God is incorruptible and it abides forever. If we do sin, we have acted outside of the power, the dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. We have acted outside of the dunamis, but there's another biblical word, exousia, that's the authority that has been given to us. So we got two Greek words here for power. Dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It's the word that, that's used in Acts where the Lord says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, the word dunamis it means where we get the word dynamite. All right, so if we obey God, we are walking in that dunamis. But we are also walking in exousia because exousia means power given by a sovereign authority to someone else. Jesus said, you shall receive authority, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we have authority from the Lord Jesus Christ to live holy lives. We have dunamis power. We have exousia power. The exousia is more of authority like you give authority, like the power of attorney you may give to someone to handle your affairs, your legal affairs, your financial affairs, etc. So the two Greek words, and then I'll move on and close. The two Greek words here for power that, that we've been given are dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, and exousia. All right? So if we do sin, we have acted outside of the power of the authority of God's word. We have authority over sin because we have been begotten by God. How have, we been be how have we been begotten by God? We've been begotten by God by the sperma, his seed. God's seed is his word. It's incorruptible. Our seed, the, the sperm of a man, I have two biological children, and I have, I have one biological grandson. My seed is corruptible. <laughs> They had better not depend on my seed for eternal life. My seed cannot give them eternal life. It could only bring them into the world. Uh, uh, my two biological children and then my grandson by one of my biological daughters. 
that seed is corruptible. If they want eternal life, they have to ingest God's sperma, his seed, which is his word. But we have been, and the Greek word here is, is, is the word where we get the word begotten. We have been begotten by God. How? By his sperma. There are two classifications of people in this world. There are the tekatao theao, the children of God. I'm sorry, teknatao, teknatao theao, the children of God. And there are the teknatao diabolo, the children of the devil. Notice the word children is the same Greek word for both cases. But, but but that's where the similarity ends. The Tiknatao Theou, T-H-E-O-U, is where we get the word theos, or theology, God. So the Tiknatao Theou are you and I, the children of God. The Tiknatao Diabolo, did you hear that? Diabolo, diabolical, diabolos, diablos, the devil. So you have the technatal theao, the children of God, and the technatal diabolo, diabolo, the children of the devil. Those who are not born again are the technatal diabolo. They are the children of the devil. They may look good, smell good, make love good, make good money, make good you know, financial decisions, but if they have not been born of the sperma, halachata boboka if they have not been born of the sperma of God, the seed of God, the incorruptible seed, then they are not the technatal theao, the children of God. They are the technatal diabola. They are the children of the devil. It doesn't mean they're walking around with horns on their head. And most of them are not going to do you any harm, as long as you don't mess with them too much. But unless you, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you've been born again, you cannot enter into, the king, enter into the kingdom of God. All right, let me close. Cain slew Abel. Much of the evil, evil perpetrated against believers has envy as its cause. And I gave you those two scriptures in Matthew 27, 18 and Mark 15, 10. Let me read those two passages to you and then I'll close. Remember, you and I are the technotile theos. We are the children of God, not the technotile diabolo, <laughs> glory to God, the children of the devil. We were the children of the devil until we got saved, right? All right, Matthew 27, 18 says, let me read Matthew 27, 17, because then that'll make 18 make more sense. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Remember, he said, I will release unto you a, a one prisoner, as is your custom. Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Pilate knew. Pilate wasn't stupid. Pilate knew that for envy they had delivered Jesus to him. He wanted to, he wanted to set Jesus free. Peter mentioned it in one of his sermons. Pilate wanted to let him go. Pilate said, I'll flog him, I'll scourge him and let him go. He's done, he's done nothing worthy of death. Even his own wife said, have nothing to do with that. Just man, I've suffered many things because of him in a, in a dream. I don't know what that dream was. I don't know if I want to know. 
But his wife said, leave that man, let me leave that rabbi alone. Do not mess with Rabbi Jesus. Leave him alone. But we know that it was ordained by God that he died for our sins on the cross. And also the people politically gaslighted um, Pilate. They said, if you let this man Jesus go, you're not a friend of Caesar's. They gaslighted him. You're not a friend of Caesar's. Whoever makes himself a king is uh, throwing Caesar under the bus. And you know when, <laughs> when Pilate heard that, he got, as they say, he got butt tight. <laughs> if you let this rabbi, you let this this deceiver, you let this 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 uh, uh, child of Beelzebub, if you let this man go, you're not a friend of Caesar. See, they 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 ran the okie doke on him. They they played the not the race card. They played the Caesar card on him. They played the Caesar card. If you let this man go, you're not a friend of Caesar. For whoever makes himself a king is throwing Caesar under the bus because that person is saying, I'm the king, not Caesar. When Pilate heard that, he said, oh. Pilate said, I'm not giving up my pension. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. Pilate said, I'm not giving up my pension. I'm not giving up my, my 401k. Glory <laughs> to God. I'm not giving up my, my bennies. For this Jewish rabbi. But Pilate wanted to let him go in all, all seriousness. Let me read the passage in Mark. It's the same thing, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, pretty much the same information. Let me read the passage in Mark. Let's see. It's in Mark 15:10. All right, Mark. And then I'm gonna close. Uh, I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in Mark chapter 10. I should be in Mark chapter 15. Please excuse me. Mark chapter 15, uh, let me read. All right, start at verse 8. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him, meaning Pilate, to do as he had ever done unto them. There was this custom that Pilate would release one prisoner at the feast. In this case, it was the feast of the Passover. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Pilate knew. Pilate said, y'all. Pilate knew. He, he knew that because of envy. The chief priests, the Jewish leaders, the blind Jewish leaders, the blind Jewish religious leaders had delivered e uh, Jesus for envy. They, they said, we got to get rid of this guy. He's casting out devils. and you know we, we can't deny what he's doing. We don't believe that he's Yeshua HaMashiach. We don't believe that he's the Messiah, but we cannot deny what he's doing. He's, he's opening the eyes of the blind. Nobody, not even Elisha and Elijah, the great prophets of the Old Testament. Nobody had ever opened the eyes. And Elisha, Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's uh, um, um, anointing. Elisha never opened the eyes of the blind. Jesus said, in other words, God said, I'm reserving some of these miracles for my dear son, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. God bless you, my beloved. God bless you. They delivered, they delivered, they delivered, they delivered Jesus because of envy, jealousy, spite. God bless you, my beloved. You be safe out there. We'll come to you again on Sunday morning. We'll, 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 we'll hit the other half of uh, 1 John chapter 3. I, I did the first 12 verses. That's half the chapter. We'll hit the other half 
I'll put a review of the uh, chapter if I can remember. I'll put a review of the uh, of the other of the other verses. I'll do a review and put it up on my Facebook uh, page um, tomorrow evening. If I don't do it tomorrow evening, it'll be very early Sunday morning. But I'll try to remember to do it uh, tomorrow evening. God bless you. You be safe out there and practice uh, whatever the medical community has told you to do. Don't don't you go out there talking about I'm, I have faith in God. And, and uh, you know we gonna we gonna you know no no that's not faith that's foolishness that's presumption. Don't be afraid, but don't be a fool either. Let me pray for you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bless you and we praise you. We glorify you. We just know that you and you are you and you are you alone. You are the only true and living God. Lord, help us to love one another as you gave us commandment. Help us, Lord, to fulfill the love imperative. Father, bless those who have listened to this message. You know what they need in their lives. Move, Lord, in their lives in a miraculous, tremendous way. I pray that they are believers in your Holy Son, Jesus. And if not, I pray that you would touch their heart, Lord, to believe on your Son, Jesus, for eternal life. I pray that as a result of this preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching all over the world, that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit would be the result, according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Help me, Lord. I pray that I spoke truth to your people. I pray, Lord, that I did nothing to lead them astray. I pray that I spoke the truth of the gospel. Blessed be the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. We pray for this nation. We pray for this world. Oh, God, you, Lord, you and you alone, you have our destiny in your hands. By Jesus Christ, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I pray once again for those churches, Lord, that had them, that love you and that had to make the gut-wrenching decision concerning uh, closing down their buildings, Lord God. We know what a financial hardship that could be. I pray for those churches, Lord, those churches that love you, Lord. Those are the churches I'm praying for, Lord, those churches that love you, where the pastor loves you and loves your people and where the people love you. I'm praying for those churches that you would be supernatural in provision in their lives by Jesus Christ. I pray, we pray, and we thank you for allowing us the privilege of mentioning your blessed name by Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you, my beloved. You, you be safe out there. I'll see you Sunday morning if you don't have anything else scheduled as far as ministry, etc. Remember, I changed from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So I changed since uh, daylight savings time. So we'll keep it at 11 a.m. for now. God bless you. 11 a.m., same time, same place or new time, you know, 11 a.m., same place, the truth of the gospel. God bless you. You be, you be safe out there. And remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care.